book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 25, to be found on page 708 in the Bibles. Isaiah 25, beginning to read at verse 1. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name. For in perfect faithfulness you have done marvellous things, things planned long ago. You have made the city a heap of rubble, the fortified town a ruin, the foreigner's stronghold a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will honour you. Cities of ruthless nations will revere you. You have been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm driving against a wall and like the heat of the desert. You silence the uproar of foreigners as heat is reduced by the shadow of a cloud. So the song of the ruthless is stilled. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The Sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the disgrace of his people from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, Surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the Gospel. If you would like to follow in the Church Bible, it can be found on page 1047. 1047. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke, chapter 14, verses 1 to 23. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Or not. But they remained silent. So, taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, If one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honour at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honour. 
for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honoured in the presence of all the other guests, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done. But there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in, so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Please sit. You have been enjoying this series of sermons um, that we've been looking at this last few weeks about how God can be involved in our everyday lives, such as shopping and commuting and work and family life and things. And today the topic is about food. Now, when Jit first asked me to talk about this, I thought, really, this is not the topic for me. It should be a doctor or a dietitian or somebody standing up here talking about food. But then um, when it was entitled Cooking Generous Portions, I thought, oh, well, okay. (laughs) Maybe that is me after all. So um, let's just pray before we start. Father God, thank you for who you are a God who loves us and wants to share in every part of our lives. Please may you speak to us individually through your Holy Spirit as we consider this topic today. Amen. So, what about food and eating? 
Um, you may well ask how we in the West could dare to talk about food and eating when they're with generous portions when there are so many people in this world starving. And, and that's really another topic. All I want to say is that God is a generous God who gives enough food for the whole world's population to eat. Um, there was a recent article by a couple of universities in the States that says, hunger is caused by poverty and inequality, not by scarcity. For the past two decades, the rate of global food production has increased faster than the rate of global population growth. The world already produces more than one and a half times enough food to feed everyone on the planet. That's enough to feed 10 billion people. And the World Hunger website states, the principal problem is that many people in the world still do not have sufficient income to purchase or land to grow enough food. You see, God does provide enough food for all of us to eat, though that's no excuse for overindulging, and I'm speaking to myself here. Our God is a generous God, and when we look through the Bible, we see many stories um, of God's people revolving around food and mealtimes. Food is something to celebrate. In the first chapter of the Bible in Genesis, God gave Adam and Eve all the seed-bearing plants and all the fruit-bearing trees in the garden to feast upon. And after the flood receded, um, God told Noah, all the animals of the earth, all the birds of the sky, all the small animals that scurry along the ground and all the fish of the sea will look on you with fear and terror. I have placed them in your power. I have given them to you as food, just as I have given you grain and vegetables. We read about that great feast in Isaiah. We read about Jesus and feeding the 5,000. You see, it really looks like God does catering. And he likes catering, big time. He thinks food is good. And he gives it to us as a gift. Remember when Jesus broke bread, he gave thanks to his heavenly Father. And that's just a reminder for each one of us. When we come and eat our daily bread on the ta at the table... Um, how many of us actually say, thank you, Lord, you have blessed us. Someone else has maybe provided the, f the money to buy it. Somebody has lovingly cooked it and spent time. But it's all come from our Heavenly Father who provided those seed-bearing trees and those animals for us to eat. They are a gift. So the first point, food is a gift there for us to eat and enjoy from our generous Heavenly Father. Now we read that Jesus often ate with his friends, with the disciples, with Mary and Martha. In the same way, we often eat with our family and friends. Um, I was reading about Tim Chester in his book, A Meal with Jesus. He states, in Luke's Gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal 
He is at a meal, or he's coming from a meal. Now, I haven't read through the whole of the gospel to see if that's actually true, but we do know that Jesus spent time with people over a meal. Um, And a recent article in The Economist stated that now in our society, 29% of people of our population in the UK eat alone. Now, I appreciate actually sometimes it's really nice for me just to eat alone because I can have what I want. I don't have to think, oh, Joss doesn't like that or whatever. I can cook what I want and I can eat what I want. But oh, it's so nice when we eat with friends as well, when we eat with family and friends. Share that time together. It's a time to build up relationships. It's a time to discuss what's going on in life, to catch up with each other to share and to encourage each other. In Romans chapter 12, verse 13, Paul pleads with the Christians to really love each other. And he specifically says, always be eager to practice hospitality. Now, we've been away for the last couple of weekends, and I was catching up um, on the church website to hear what the sermons were about. And one point that really struck me was from a few weeks ago, Michael and Rachel were talking about family. And um, it reminded me of, of being family, a part of God's big family. Wherever we go in the world, we have God's family to be part of. And it reminded me of when we first went to live in South Africa, a few, um, well, many years ago now, And we arrived on the Saturday, Sunday morning. I was the only one who was up and sort of fit and ready and thought, I'm going to go out to church. We have to get started in a church somewhere. So I went off to one of the local churches, and it was very nice. As, you know, people in church are very nice, hopefully. Um, And a few people said, hello, as we sometimes do to each other. So that was fine. The next week... As a family, we all got up and we went to another church. And many people came up to us there. And in fact, one family came up and invited us out for tea that very afternoon. You can imagine which church we stayed with for the next two years. What a difference that made. Just being invited to go to spend time with people to build up a new friendship um, and and, uh, just to be welcoming. So meals are often a social occasion. They're good for family, they're good for friendships, they're good for the community, and they're good to welcome others. But as Jesus so often does, he turned things upside down, and Jesus often shocked his disciples and would eat with people who they referred to as sinners. Think of Zacchaeus. Think of the home of the leader of the Pharisees that we were reading about in this Gospel of Luke. And he even used this opportunity in Luke chapter 14 to teach us a few manners. But he also, as often does, there's a deeper meaning behind what he says. The parable that um, where the host invited people to come to his family uh, to a great banquet. There's a, a 
double invitation here. It was very usual in Middle Eastern society for a host to send invitations out to people to come to a banquet. And then when they would accept the invitation, he would say, okay, let's prepare for this. And he would know how many people were going to come. And he would know how many cattle to kill or goats or whatever. And then maybe one or two days later, he said, right, we're ready. The cooking's all done. Come, we're going to have the banquet tonight. And when you read down this parable, um, some of the people decided that they weren't going to come after all. They were actually quite rude in the responses they gave. Some of them said, well, look, we've just, I've just bought some land. I've just bought some oxen, and I have to go and check them out. Now, it's very unlikely that really he wouldn't have already checked out what the land was like before he bought it. He wouldn't have gone to see the oxen to see how good they were going to be working on his farm before he bought them. Another chap said, oh, I've just got married. Well, now, I'm sure it's a little bit like our society, not quite so bad where you have to have maybe years, certainly months, to plan a wedding. And I doubt that he would have just suddenly got married after the first invitation to the great banquet had been given out. And these invited guests underneath Jesus' parable were really picturing the Jewish nation, the kingdom that was prepared for them. But when Jesus came preaching that the kingdom of heaven is near, many of the Pharisees, many of the leaders of the church rejected him. So Jesus is saying the invitation is open to societies maimed, to the downtrodden. These were the types of people that the Pharisees considered unclean, under God's curse. But Jesus said the invitation is open and available for those even who are considered unclean. And then the master in the parable tells his servants to go out and invite anybody in from the countryside. You know, that's us. We're the anybody in from the countryside. Hallelujah. We're the Gentiles who get invited in to this great feast um, to come and be with this banquet with the Lord. Jesus is the bread of life, the one who comes to give us life to the full, the one who's promised to be with us in difficult times and good times, the one who promises eternal life. How could anybody resist that invitation to be at that feast we read about in Isaiah 25? In Jerusalem, the Lord of heaven's armies will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat. There he will remove the cloud of gloom the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. He will remove forever all incense, insults and mockery against his land and people. The Lord has spoken. In that day, the people will proclaim 
This is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord in whom we trusted. Let us rejoice in the salvation he brings. Is anybody mad enough to refuse that invitation to be at that great feast, that great banquet in the heavenly mountain? So point one, God gives us, generously gives us food to eat. Two, Jesus sets an example of frequently spending time with his friends and others enjoying a meal. And point three, God invites us to share with him in that great heavenly feast. And finally, point four, if you have already accepted that invitation to share your life with Jesus, and I suspect many of us here have, then, you know, that adventure doesn't just end on that day when we ask Jesus to come into our lives. Being a disciple of Jesus means that we need to change and have our lives transformed by him. As our vision statement said, we want to see Jesus' love transforming lives from the heart of South Sea. That's not just people out there who aren't part of the church. That's for us too. We need to be transformed to be more like Jesus. It applies to us. So how does this topic of cooking with generous portions help transform us? As God has blessed us, so we must also bless others. And hospitality is such a good way of enjoying his generous gifts with others. To some of us, it may seem scary. How will people react to my home? Ooh, or my cooking? I took great comfort when I read from Tim Chester's book, Take Cleaning the House Before Guests Arrive, for example. If your aim is to impress, then you'll feel compelled to clean. If your aim is to love, then that compulsion isn't there. Both very dirty houses and very tidy houses make me uncomfortable. In the case of very tidy homes, I'm always afraid I'm going to pollute the show house perfection. If your house is somewhere in between, then I'll feel at home. My house is definitely somewhere in between. And meals don't have to be costly. We don't have to get up to those fine dining standards. We don't have to be perfect, have perfection and uh, wonderful cakes like Mary Berry seems to be doing on the television these days. Invite people back for a normal family dinner. Spend time with your guest rather than slaving over the cooker. But if you still feel uncomfortable of practicing hospitality like this, why not just invite somebody in for a cup of tea, piece of cake? can be Waitrose best. Or why don't you even spend time with our friends, with each other from church, and go and have a cup of tea in one of the local, many local cafes. Jit will give you a, a rundown in most of them, he knows them. So in church, we have various opportunities to share meals with each other and with those outside. There's usually a welcome lunch every term for newcomers. 
We come together for shared lunches, for picnics. We eat together at Alpha, exploring Christianity. Janet cooks lunch and club every Thursday. We try to be hospitable and sharing. We give out mince pies. We feed people with bacon sandwiches at Friday Fridge. We collect food for the food bank. So let's each of us, not just as a church, but each of us, be doers of the word and not just hearers only. And let's bless others as God has blessed us through practicing hospitality. And I'm going to throw out a challenge to you now. And David is hopefully going to give you a, a, a little leaflet. And we're going to give people the opportunity of doing just that and sharing with each other on a particular Sunday. In three weeks' time, on Sunday the 19th of March, um, we're giving you a piece of paper which hopefully you will all fill in And it's the chance for you to host and have people back to your home for Sunday lunch. Or it's a chance for you to go out and be hosted by somebody else in church. Now, this this could just be a shepherd's pie or a lasagna. If you're very lucky, you might go to somewhere where there's going to be roast beef and Yorkshire pudding. But we would love to see everybody in the congregation, in this congregation and all three congregations, and participating in this challenge. Jit has done this before in, a, a, in another parish, so I would love that we get so many forms in that it'll be a nightmare for him to try and logistically work it all out. Um, there will be a basket um, at the end of the service up here. There are pens in the basket if you need a pen. And the basket will be here for the next two Sundays, or it'll be probably out in the reception area. But please think about taking part in this, to spend time practicing hospitality or receiving hospitality, to spend time with us together as friends and as a family of God. So let us pray. Lord, help us be generous and hospitable and loving to each other as together we learn to be better disciples of Jesus. And may we learn to be hospitable not only to our friends but also to those who need to see your love in action through us. And Lord, I just want to pray for those who have not yet accepted that invitation to your great feast. May they use this opportunity today to respond to you. Amen.